Welcome to the latest on the law, a podcast of the Boston Bar Association. The Commonwealth's premier legal association, the BBA is home to over 15,000 members and 140 institutional partners consisting of law firms, corporations, government agencies, legal aid organizations, and law schools. Visit us at bostonbar.org to learn more. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sharina Wright, and I currently serve as a committee member on the BBA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. I also am currently the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs at Suffolk University. Coming to this role from Suffolk University Law School, which is my alma mater, um, and in a former life, I was an attorney. Um, all of that shared to give you some perspective of why I am moderating today, joined with several colleagues from both the law school space as well as the legal profession space more generally to talk to you about um, what our experiences have been in the profession and how we can help support you in preparing to go to law school and then enter the profession. I want to thank all of our um, panelists before I begin, but a special thank you to Anat, who is my co-chair for this panel this evening um, and is also a member of the BBA's committee for DEI. I'm going to ask all of my panelists to introduce yourselves, um, share a little bit about your background in your practice area, and then we'll get into some questions about um, the law school experience and process, as well as your experiences in the legal profession, leaving some time for Q&A directly from those that have joined us um, for tonight's panel. So with that, I'm going to start with Anat. And um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and share a little bit about your practice area. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Anand Saraswath. I do um, uh, patent litigation at uh, Wolf Greenfield and Sachs here in Boston. Um, my background is uh, my undergraduate degree is from MIT in electrical engineering and computer science. So I did a bachelor's and master's there. Um, I worked in uh, software as an engineer for a couple of years after college. And then I went to law school at Yale and I got my JD in 2009. Um, and what I do is basically, um, you know, uh, cases involving uh, inventions and technology. Um, so I you know, do some work on kind of um, computer software, you know, computer hardware, that kind of thing. Um, and I also um, did a lot of work uh, with immigration law while I was in law school. So I do um, uh, kind of uh, a lot of uh, um, what's called pro bono work, so basically like public interest work on the side in the immigration space. Thank you so much. Mona? Hello, everyone. My name is Mona Zuffer. I am um, currently, well, I graduated from law school in 2016, so I've been an attorney for a while now after graduating from law school. Um, I joined a firm, then I joined another firm, and then I joined another firm, and now I own my own firm. So that's basically um, how it went for me. The firms that I did join, I had the great benefit of experiencing a lot of legal areas. So right now, my current practice is actually general practice. So um, let's just say I'm an expert in everything. We love a good expert in everything. Thank you, Mona. Jay? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Jay Mohenka. Uh, I never thought I would be an attorney until a year before starting law school. I went to undergrad at UMass Amherst for food science. 
I was always a science and math guy. And it wasn't until a year after graduating college that I decided to go to law school. I never considered it during college. So if you're curious about getting a reference from a professor and them saying no, you can ask me that question and I'll tell you the hard path to getting that to a yes. Uh, but I went to Northeastern Law in Boston. I graduated in 22. So I just crossed into my second year um, of being a certified bar certified attorney. And I currently work at Thomson Reuters or Westlaw as a reference attorney, helping attorneys such as ourselves with their research questions. Awesome. Thank you. Omkar? Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Omkar Mahajan. Uh, I'm a fairly recent graduate. I graduated from Cornell Law School in 2021 um, and went to law school during the pandemic. Before that, I was at the University of California in San Diego, where I was a poli-sci, political science and economics uh, major, and I kind of knew that I was going to go to law school um, while I was still an undergrad. Uh, currently, I'm a corporate lawyer at DLA Piper in their Boston office, where I work in private equity and mergers and acquisitions. So the work that I do is basically representing companies, private equity firms, and buying and selling uh, businesses, helping businesses run more efficiently. Um, and that's kind of the work I do. Um, and as I've said, I'm a fairly recent graduate from law school, so I still remember the whole application process and what law school was like. Thank you. And I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Kiana? Hi, everybody. I'm Kiana Pierre-Louis. I'm an assistant dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion at Jay's alma mater, Northeastern School of Law. Um, I wasn't going to share my year, but y'all all happy about sharing your year when I graduated law school? So fine, I graduated in law school in 2002. So I have had a rich history. Um, I did criminal defense for a long while. Um, and then like Mona, about a year out of law school, I decided, hey, you know, I'm gonna hang my own shingle and started my own firm. Um, I did general practice for a little bit with really staying in criminal, morphed to civil litigation, and then finally landed on corporate and real estate. And I did that. I still do that a little bit now, but now in higher ed. Um, after that, I moved into teaching law. At my first alma mater, which was Bentley University, a business school. Um, and I taught a array of law classes for my background, marketing law, corporate law, contract, all that stuff. Um, but also race in the law and social justice law, because that has always been a passion in my research. And then I organically started to do DI work at Bentley, opened up at a consulting practice because I wasn't busy enough, and then ended up at Northeastern in 2002 when Jay, I think you graduated, um, and became the assistant dean of DEI. You, I can't believe you all made me give my age through my time. And anyway, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, Kiana. And last but certainly not least, Maria. Hi, my name is Maria Huang. Um, I graduated in 2016. I am an immigration attorney. And when I graduated from law school, I were, was clerked at the Boston Immigration Court, where I also worked as a attorney advisor for several years. From there, I went on to the um, nonprofit sphere and did nonprofit work for a couple of years. And currently, I work at the Public Defender's Office. 
Um, and I advise criminal defense attorneys on immigration matters within their cases. And then sprinkled within there, I also was a huge workaholic and I taught for about four years at Suffolk. And then I also, as an adjunct professor, and then I also did some contract brief writing. So some, in addition to my traditional legal work, I've also done some, you know, uh, kind of unconventional things to get by. Thank you all so much for introducing yourselves and sharing a little bit about your background. I want to get more into um, how you all got to where you are. And in particular, some of you shared um, your majors in undergrad, which are diverse. Um, some of you have mentioned political science, pre-law, which could be considered um, the traditional track, if you will, to law school. How much do you um, remember of your time in the process and Kiana um, being in higher ed and in the law school space? How much is a major mattering? What type of major should people be considering? And what should people be considering as they're choosing law schools um, as it relates to their academic endeavors in the undergrad um, experience? I'm gonna start with Kiana, and then I'm gonna go to Umkar because Umkar is, has been very clear that he's young and he remembers the journey. Umkar, I remember too. Um, I forgot to say too that my law school alma mater is also Suffolk. Um, so my major was a business major. I went to Bentley University, which was a business school, and I graduated with a business major, business communications. However, I always knew I wanted to go to law school. Um, why I picked that major, I was at a business school. Right? So there was no real law classes. I was like, I have to learn how to communicate. I probably need to figure it out. So it wasn't, there was no strategy in that. Now, when I went to law school, I will tell you the best major I ever picked. So I majored in business communication, minored in English. I didn't do pre-law. I didn't do all this. I will give you my opinion, and then I'll give you a little bit about the law school. My opinion, law schools, no matter what law school you is, no matter what rank, they're elitist. They want to teach you the law, okay? So yes, it's nice that you have a pre-law background. Yes, it's all that. They're going to tell you, we're going to teach you the law. You're going to learn it the way we teach you. Um, and that's where it is. Business communication in English taught me how to write, taught me how to communicate. And that was huge for law school for me. I came in with a big advantage on learning that because I had to be able to make an argument, be succinct for my legal writing classes. And I learned that a little bit from a business school. Yes, there's a traditional, there's difference with legal writing. No doubt you're going to learn it. But I was able to take some of those skills that are not so-called legal skills, but transform it when I got into law school. I will say this, if you do choose pre-law because you love it and all that, it will teach you some of that too as well. Um, but just understand that a law school is going to tell you to wipe out that knowledge because they're going to teach you all the stuff that you need to know. As far as working in a... To your question, um, Sharina... I work alongside, I'm not in emissions, um, but I work with them closely. We like to see an array of majors. We like to see the background that you're bringing. You heard of everybody's majors here. They all went to law school for a reason because somebody read that file and was like, wow, they're going to bring something else into the school. They learned something else. 
our um, review is a whole file review. So we're really looking at the whole person. Um, one that you want to be in law school, one that you're going to stay in law school, one also that you're going to be successful. And what knowledge are you bringing into this law school to, to be the best effective lawyer that you can be? Thank you. Um, uh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I was a political science economics major in undergrad. Um, I always had this idea that even back in high school that I wanted to be a lawyer. I want to go to law school. Um, and I had talked to a lot of lawyers. I had talked to a lot of pre-law students, um, students in law school. And I noticed that a lot of them had majored in poli-sci, economics, social science majors. So I kind of gravitated towards that path. And I also found it interesting, which is why I chose that major in the first place. Um, I will say that what you major in in undergrad, um, you know, it's not like it's not going to necessarily uh, correlate to what you learn in law school. It's not necessarily like to it's not necessarily required that you have to major in a particular subject or field unless you want to go into, uh, you know, patent prosecution, intellectual property. Uh, then, you know, you should probably major in a STEM focused major. But Otherwise, your major in undergrad doesn't necessarily matter, although um, being a poli-sci major, economics major in undergrad, uh, it did prepare me with strong reading and writing skills that I found useful for law school. Um, and as for the whole law school admissions process, when you're applying to law school, um, again, major is not really too important, but your whole application process consists of an entire package of like GPA, LSAT score, personal statement, letters of recommendation, um, extracurriculars, who you are as a person. Um, so major, I would say it's just, is not really too important. Just choose what you're interested in. And if it's something that may help you in law school in the long run, um, I was a poli-sci economics major. I, don't really use that in my day-to-day -day work as a corporate lawyer. Although the skills that I've learned as a you know poli-sci economics major, the strong reading and writing skills, that does help me in my day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Let's get into part two of my question. I would echo um, everything that both of you said. I, too, um, in my role at Suffolk, review files. Um, and I actually think that it's great to see a diversity of um, majors, and it only can strengthen your application package as a whole when we see people like Anna, who is an engineering major coming to look to go to law school. Um, so let's shift a little bit to what should people be considering? What did you all consider when you were thinking about law schools? Um, how did you make your, you know, top five or top 10 schools that you were applying to? Why were you considering the schools you considered? What did you think about? What should these students be thinking about? as they begin to think about where they're going to apply. And I'm happy to take anyone. Go ahead, Jay. Sure, I can answer this because <clears throat> when I was applying to law school, I had no you know, relevant background really. I, mean, I didn't know any lawyers. I don't have any relatives who are lawyers. So what I thought about was what I wanted to do with my career and if it was possible to do those things without going to law school. Because if it was, then why would I spend all that time and money on law school, right? Um, so it was important to me to really hone down 
what specific things law school would give me that I couldn't get anywhere else. Because it was a huge commitment. It's not just three years of school. It's in a year to apply, then you take the bar after. So you're not going to start working until maybe the fall, September, October, November, uh, after graduating. So it's a really, really long, um, difficult, and expensive process that you're not going to be working towards. Um, so that's a big consideration that I would tell someone uh, when they're applying. Such a great consideration um, because it is certainly a commitment and a financial one. Others, what do you um, recommend students consider as they're choosing law schools? Uh, uh, I mean, one thing I would consider um, is the the strength of the alumni network, um, particularly uh, in in whatever city that you want to practice in. Um, you know, I know, for example. Um, we have a lot of Suffolk and Northeastern folks on the panel. Like they have an incredibly strong alumni network in Boston. Um, any major law firm or organization you go to in Boston is going to have people from Suffolk Law and Northeastern Law. Um, and so I think to the extent that you have any idea of kind of where geographically you want to practice, um, you know, try try to focus on law schools that have a strong alumni network in that area. Such powerful um, tips, right? Because you are the people you know often that post um, post um, law school getting into the profession, right? The network is so important and critical to that. Something else you said, and not that is important, is where do you want to be? Right. Um, that could be a part of something you consider in choosing, albeit you could go to school in California and then end up in Boston. Right. Sure. Um, but geography also is something to be considering surely as an undergraduate um, preparing and thinking about things. Are there other things, people that come to people's mind before I move to the next question? Um, I just would like to say, as somebody who works in um, the public interest field, I went to law school knowing that I wanted to go into the public interest field. I knew I would never make the big bucks. Um, so finance was a huge, huge contributor to my to my decision making. Um, I was very fortunate to receive a very generous scholarship, which was a big motivator. Um, but I know that one of the things that in that decision was uh, to weigh things like prestige and uh, finance and alumni network and geography, all of those things were big factors. But for me, a big driving factor was the finance of it. And so I encourage people, if they are thinking about thinking about where they want to be, and if you are um, going into a nonprofit sphere, into a, a government space, opposed to big law, that might be something that might weigh more heavily in your consideration, because um, it's allowed me to not, uh, you know, let finances ruin my life post-grad. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you were going to say something for you. That was actually brilliant, Maria, that you said that, because I think that is important. Um, the only other thing that I would add is, although I am, I, I don't know how I feel about people saying they fully know what they want to do when they get into law school, because I think you can experience it, but there are people who know what they want. Looking up their clinics, looking up their experiences too, because a lot of law school is just not your education. It's the clinics, it's, you know, internships. 
seeing what clinics are, are out there within the law schools are also important. You know, shop around, really make sure you, this is someplace you want to be and it's going to give you the experience you want because in a lot of cases, it is a lot of money. Great. Thank you all so much for sharing those tips. Some of you mentioned that you took gap years, you took time off before you found your way to law school. Um, what is timing like? What should these undergraduate students be thinking about in terms of um, timing? How did you all, those that did do a gap year or a few years, did you feel like you were better prepared to enter law school, begin this step? towards the legal profession after taking time off? If anyone went right in, um, what was that experience like? Yes, Ankar. So if I could do it all over again, if I could do law school all over again, the one thing that I would have done differently was I would have taken more time off, like maybe a few years off, gained some more valuable work experience, maybe traveled the world, done all the things that I wanted to do before I go to law school and enter the you know legal profession. And also, I mean, law school is going to be very stressful. It is going to be very time consuming. It's a major commitment. Uh, and you know, you need to be in the right headspace for it, get your mental health checked. Um, you know, you should be prepared to understand what the rigors of law school are. Um, there's a huge maturity difference, like, you know, being 25 versus being like, you know, 22 and straight out of undergrad and you haven't worked a full-time job. Um, so if I could have done it all over again, instead of like, you know, going straight through, I would have taken time off. I would have maybe gained some valuable work experience, um, done the things that I had wanted to do beforehand. Uh, you know, instead of going straight through. So that's basically, you know, my advice that, you know, please take time off. Um, you'll be, you know, more mature, a bit older, in you know, right headspace, prepared for the challenges of law school, as opposed to, you know, entering at 22, very young. Mm -hmm. Others perspectives, Jay? Um, yeah, I, I was going to say I took two years, but that was because I didn't know I wanted to go to law school. Um, but I would absolutely recommend, even if you want to go straight through, take at least a year. Um, at the very minimum, it'll make you a better applicant, almost certainly. Um, spend more time studying for your LSAT and getting your applications ready. But more so because I worked in tech sales for two years between undergrad and law school. And that job had a lot of high pressure moments. That were sporadic. So we were responsible for like a book of business. We had to sell to executives. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the administrative work, the analytical part didn't seem stressful because we were working with people. So when I went to law school and my classmates who had gone straight through were still kind of acting more like students or kids going to school as opposed to adults managing a business or professional nature, um, it's very different because graduate school it kind of flips. The onus is on you to manage your assignments. You'll, you can never go to a professor and say, you didn't tell me to do X, Y, Z, right? They'll say it was on the syllabus, it's on you, or if it's missing, you have to come to me. Um, so I would 100% recommend taking at least a year, if not two, um, and getting work and kind of just focusing on yourself and your skill set. I mean, not necessarily just 
checking off the box. Like, like well, what will make me a better law school applicant, right? And I know people who've done crazy things. I know one girl who joined the army to make her a better applicant. Um, so, but I, I would recommend taking time off. That's pretty crucial to you as a person. Mona, did I see you ready to unmute? No pressure yeah. if you weren't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would just echo what um, Jay actually just said exactly what I, I would say and what Omkar was saying. Um, I took, I think, a, a couple of years off to do nothing just to do nothing, just to chill a bit, you know, because at the end of the day, when you graduate from law school, you're going to be taking that bar exam. When's your time to chill going to happen? It's never going to come because then you are competitive for a job and you want to be hired straight away and you're too broke to be like not doing anything and you're too, you're too accomplished also, right? So you've just come out of your undergrad and let's pretend you've worked the hardest you've worked and you just need some chill time, honestly. Give yourself a break. Don't even worry about making your application better. Worry about yourself and then, you know, take three months to worry about yourself and then worry about what you're going to do to make your application better. Something like that. That's what I would do. Um, I um, majored in Netflix when I took my... <laughs> and yeah, so... <laughs> I love that, Mona. Thank you so much for that. And thank you all for your feedback. Maria. Um, I, I did go straight through and just, I think that my co-panelists had fantastic advice and really, um, wonderful feedback, but for those who maybe are in undergrad and feeling like, what do I do in between? I think if I would have taken a year off, I would have just ended up working at my ice cream job, my ice cream shop job, which is what I did through college. And I don't think I would have had something to do that. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have been able to think of something at 22 to help advance myself. So I think that, you know, if um, if that doesn't feel like an option to you, you certainly can, and you can push yourself to incur, um, you can push yourself to start on the self-development and on your personal skills to bring that maturity into law school. Um, I, I, I totally believe my co-panelists and when they say that that year is really uh, beneficial, but for those who who are feeling like that might be the, not be the option for them, there is a light on the other side. I just want to echo the same. Mine was very. It was a while ago, decades from y'all, but I went straight through true, and I don't think that I would do it differently. I think that it was good for me. Actually, it matured me. But I do have to say there was a swing now. Back then. I was probably the youngest in my class. There's now a swing of a lot of people going straight through. So I do agree with Jay with the maturity. I was forced to be mature because everybody was older than me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Thank you all for answering that question. And obviously different things work for different people, right? Um, so it's definitely something that you have to think about personally. Um, but I think you have some good feedback to consider as you're making your decision. Okay, so you all have landed in law school. Now I'm going to ask you a couple questions about your experiences in law school, and then I'm going to get to um, hopefully at least one question about you all's today world um, as legal professionals. Um, talk to me a little bit about you all are all um, diverse um, in many different ways, including um, race and ethnicity. Talk to me about um, how your experience was as a law student um, 
as a diverse member of the community, did you feel like law schools were welcoming to underrepresented students, whether it be your school or as you're, you know, in the profession? Are you feeling like you're hearing and seeing um, from current students that they're feeling um, welcomed and supported in the law school space? I'm happy to. Oh, Anna, you unmuted. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, and so and so my my perspective is all is also a bit older, I think, than, than most of the other panelists. I started law school in two thousand six. I mean, I, um, I I did feel like my law school and the legal profession were welcoming when I started, but at the same time, it was just it was a bit of a culture shock going from an environment where I was used to seeing lots of people like me to an environment where there were you know like very few you know um, other. South Asians or minorities in general, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm South Asian. My parents are from India, you know, I work at a software company before law school, you know, Indians and Asians all over the place, you know, South Asians all, all over the place. So like it, it felt very diverse to me. And then I went to law school at Yale and I was like, where are all the minorities? What's, what's going on here? Um, and so I, I, I had a similar experience start, you know, when I started um, my first job, you know, again, not, not because people weren't welcoming, but just because, um, you know, just just the way the numbers were, particularly at that time, there weren't that many people who who were diverse. And so I think um, I, I mentioned that because, you know, I, I I think the profession has gotten better in that respect. Um, you know, we're we're doing programs like this in part to make the profession better in terms of diversity. But I think that um, even if you are in a welcoming environment, and my hope is that all of you end up in a welcoming environment, if you're if you're not used to being in a place where there's a lack of diversity, it can be a little bit of a shock. And so I think there is there is a little bit of um, you know there's there was a, a, a little bit that I kind of had to get over to sort of like make myself feel comfortable dealing with people in that environment because I wasn't used to having to deal with it. Very real words about imposter syndrome um, and the realities of, um, you know, joining um, spaces that are not, you know, as diverse as maybe where you've come from before. I see Maria and then Amkar. So I really struggled um, both in law school and in the beginning of my career with being a person of color. I think I, so I, I come from Ohio, I'm from the Midwest, and I grew up in a predominantly white area. And so I think that I was a, a little bit sensitive when I came to law school, but that also I had huge culture shock in terms of class. I never realized that old money was real until I moved to the East Coast. I thought it was only something that existed in movies. Um, so I had a culture shock, I had a class shock, I had a race shock. And I just, everything was was really surprising to me. And um, I think that having to do that personal development and develop, personal growth while you are trying to learn and become an expert in a new field, which will hopefully become your career, is hugely challenging. Um, but for those who are of a, um, I don't, I can't see the participants, but, you know, you are already masters in navigating. You're as a person of color, you are already a master in navigating your world. And you are gonna, you absolutely will come across challenges in your legal career and in internships. I certainly have had moments where 
I, I cried and were, was very upset with how I was being treated. But you are a master in how you navigate your world and you can absolutely apply that to your experience in law school. And um, it's going to make you so much stronger and so much more of a richer person. Um, that doesn't mean it's easy, but it means that you can do it. That's great. Thank you, Maria. Amkar? Uh, thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm originally from California, where it's very diverse there. I went to an undergrad in California, UC San Diego, University of California, San Diego, where it is also very diverse there. And then when I went to Cornell, um, it was, uh, you know, a bit of a culture shock for me. And again, it was just a few years ago, like, yeah, I entered Cornell Law School in uh, 2018. Um, and, you know, it, it was... I mean, Cornell, it was at the time when I entered, it was 30% people of color. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was still in like some, sometimes in some of my classes, you know, I look around and I see that I'm the only POC in the entire room, the only person of color, um, little, little things like that. Sometimes, you know, it was my first time, like, you know, kind of dealing with like microaggressions a lot. Um, you know, I was, I guess, like in some ways, like, Growing up in California, the Bay Area, where it was very diverse, like, you know, I could just go for my entire day without even thinking about my race. And then, you know, sometimes, and then at Cornell, you know, instances would happen where I would sometimes wonder, like, wait a minute, was, why did that just occur? Is it because I'm South Asian? Is it because I look different? Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like, I think I do think that things are getting better. You learn how to navigate these kinds of situations. The legal profession is becoming more and more diverse. Um, you know, there are now times where I see people who look like me who are in positions of part, uh, power, who are like you know partners at big law firms, or they're in high positions of power in like public interest organizations. I see sometimes professors who look like me. I do see that change is occurring. Um, and, you know, my advice to, like, you know, um, law students, uh, college students thinking of going to law school, entering a legal profession is to find mentors who can relate to you, who can support for you and be an advocate on your behalf. Find people who you can look up to and, you know, get advice from them. Yeah. Thank you. Mona. Hi. Yeah. Um. I appreciate um, Maria's and Umkar's experience with this, but just to start off with law school. So I went to New England Law, Boston. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Um, it's a very small school, so you get to know basically everyone in the school, and I mean everyone, depending on how outgoing you are. Um, we had, I think I was one of five in my year of South Asian students. I think it was five. I don't know if it was, but we had a South Asian Law Student Association that we didn't have enough people to actually be on the board for. So I was the president of that association. So then I just picked like white people to join because this is what you have to do. So if there's not enough people representing you, it's only on you to share that knowledge and share, you know, so their mind's not so narrow either because they haven't experienced you. Do you see? So you haven't experienced whatever, you know, feeling this way, but you, it's on you, the onus is on you to actually make sure you are present in 
the body you're in. Because sometimes what I see happens is, for instance, um, I'm Pakistani. My Well, my parents are Pakistani. I'm Muslim. So we have religious holidays. So I saw like a fellow a Muslim student coming to school on Eid, which is our celebration. I'm like, no, 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 no. You let the professor know it's Eid. That's it. That's it. Same when you go to work, because this is what happens. And I know uh, I appreciate Omkar saying it's getting a, a lot better and he probably knows better on this. But now that I own my own business, I can tell you it's not after. And this is going to be a touchy subject. But after October 7th, there was this huge um, letter. No, there was a letter drafted. And it included around 50 law firms from Boston. And that letter got passed on to me too. And it went to the deans of all schools stating that if people are against blah, blah, then they shouldn't, you should let us know, inform us. So we know when um, we don't want these applicants coming to our law firm and basically saying that they should be reprimanded or kicked out of law school. So just with that, and this wasn't in the news. This wasn't anything. This was just privately done. And do you know why it was privately done? Because a group of people told them to do it. So it's not the fact that it's getting better. People are just being more silent and oppressed. So if you're going to stay silent and oppressed, yeah, of course, it's getting better because they're just getting away with it. But if you choose to own yourself and own the position that you're in and not to be the person that just cowers away like, oh, well, I don't want to be a difficulty. F, you know, beat that. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just, just saying that. my own piece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I appreciate that. Um, and obviously, you know, what you highlight is that the reality is, is our profession, like so many professions, have work to do still, right? Um, the reality is, is that in 2024, we are not where we may want to be, um, especially as it relates to diversity, which for me, I think of the terms DEI as very different, diversity, equity, and inclusion. They have different definitions, right? And so in terms of representation, um, surely we have some work to do um, as we continue to find ways to make sure that people People are feeling included and appreciated. I would highlight that for undergrad students that are thinking about law schools, this is another piece of, you know, how do I choose what schools are on my list? If it's important to you that you are appreciated, that you are nurtured, that you feel welcomed in a space, that you make sure that you're asking the proper questions when you are touring um, law schools to ensure that you're going to be in a space where you feel um, less uncomfortable, right? We can't guarantee, um, especially if you're going to a predominantly white institution, that you're going to feel comfortable all the time, right? As you heard from the panelists, there were definitely times when people may have felt uncomfortable. Um, but obviously, there are some spaces where you may feel safer than others, and you have to do the proper research to ensure that you pick a school for you. I want to get into another question, um, kind of going into where you all are now as attorneys in the profession, as it relates um really to representation, diversity in hiring in recent years. We talked a little bit about law schools and law school having work to do. Um, have you seen a change in hiring 
Um, are you feeling like there are any changes happening as it relates to hiring or even at the law school level as it relates to admissions? And maybe I'm probably the best person to talk about that. But what are we seeing based on um, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision relative to affirmative action? Um, which really touched on, which really only made a decision related to admissions to higher education institutions. However, I think there has certainly been a ripple effect and now firms are thinking about um, their hiring practices as it relates to affirmative action. So Anat, I'm going to turn it to you first. Um, and then those who would like to unmute, I'm following Anat, but let's talk about what hiring has looked like and if we're seeing any changes post the affirmative action decision. Yeah, so I mean, I I, I have been fortunate, I think, in, in my career to work at organizations that really value diversity in hiring. Um, and I think that, you know, they 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 put in a real effort to, the, the, the firms I've worked at have, have put in a real effort to reach out to diverse applicants um, and try to make them feel welcomed. I think that, um, in, in terms of the challenges that I've seen at the organizations I've worked at in hiring diverse applicants, it, it partly is kind of like a like a numbers challenge. Um, you know, we we need more diverse students, particularly from un, unrepresented minority groups, going into law school in the first place, um, so that we can have a larger applicant pool to choose from when we when we try to hire. And in my field, which is IP, it's kind of even it's even a bigger problem because we we have issues with um, underrepresentation of certain groups going into law school in the first place. And then on that's compounded by issues of underrepresentation of certain groups, you know, being interested in IP or thinking they have the right background for IP. So it's just like the, these problems kind of stack on top of each other. So um, that that's a big reason why, um, you know, we are we're having programs like this for undergrads. We just kind of like need to in, 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 in increase the pipeline. Um, in, in terms of how the affirmative action ruling has affected hiring, at least from my perspective on the law firm side, um, it, it really hasn't affected things at all as far as I can tell. I mean, it's it's partly because, you know, officially the ruling only applies to college admissions anyway, but also because, you know, the, the firms that I've worked at and the firms that I've seen, they they still really want to hire, you know, diverse uh, candidate, you know, um, uh, 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 hire from diverse candidate pools. Because at the end of the day, it's just good for our business. Um, and so, you know, that being said, I think, I think one of the challenges that I think we'll see in the future is, you know, as um, as Sharina mentioned, this kind of ripple effect. Because I think you, I, I, I have seen some chatter, you know, and some stories online of, you know, these these you know, uh, these organizations trying to basically start campaigns against private employers and basically try to go after them for, you know, valuing diversity in their hiring. So I think it is going to be a challenge, but I think um, I, 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 I do think that to some extent, you know, firms and other organizations that are hiring, they're just going to have to, you know, um, display some courage and say, we don't care if you come after us, we value this and we're, we're going to keep doing it. Others thoughts? Anyone else want to chime in? Kiana? Um, Sharina knows this. So it really hit higher education. Um, and it, you know, if you know anything about the decision, um, SFFA versus Harvard, um, 
it was all regarding race, all regarding race and what can and not allowed in the application or getting into admissions. And right now, for most universities, had to pivot to the race of an applicant is blind. Nobody would really know it on the application. Now, can you discuss your race as applies to your skills, um, certain other things within an essay? Yes, that is allowed. That is there. But it is totally, we're not allowed to take that into consideration. Um, uh, it has to be race neutral, as they call it. Um, and not race conscious. So there's a whole thing. I've been on 18 different panels, as I'm sure Sharina has, about this decision. So university-wise, you know, there's a little pivot because there's so much of our identity that goes into our application. And basically, when you say we're going to take one out and hold it blind, but we want to make a diverse pool, it is a little bit difficult. Um, but I will say this, most universities have always taken that holistic approach, right? It was never about one identity metric. It was about what we've all talked about around the first first question and the second question about what you're bringing in, your background, your experiences, your challenge, why you excelled, your grades, your LSAT. There's so much. So if universities or law schools were doing it correct, there wasn't too much of a pivot. Um, there was Yes, we know that that's not going to be shown now, but there are other ways we can make sure <clears throat> we get a diversity of many things, because diversity means a lot, into the schools. Um, and as Anat said, it really, it because it did not deal with um, employment yet, we know it's coming. <laughs> they hit strategically schools first, employment's coming, let's not play games, scholarships are coming, we're not going to play games about that. It is coming. I'm like, Mona, I'm going to keep it real. Um, so what do we do? How do we combat that? Because I, the, we all know it's been historical. Diversity matters. We, there is business cases. There is all, but it matters, right? Having many different people with many different backgrounds really enriches anything, whether that's education, whether that's employment, so how do we continue that when we know there's going to be challenges on many different levels, as I think we're all going to have to grapple with? And I, I would say most of these conversations within higher ed spheres, we have grappled with it and we've come up with some really great ideas, which I think we should have been doing all along. I think all this decision did was push us to go back to being innovative um, because we rested on some of the laurels of just checking boxes. No, let's now be innovative on how we bring um, great students into law school or undergrad or wherever. Thank you so much, Kiana. And just for you all as undergraduate students to think about what all of that really means for you all as you apply to um, law school, if you apply to a master's program, really showing up in your entire application. You know, you're not going to just check a box and say, I am Black and I am, you know, a woman. You'll say, you'll check some demographics off and people will be able to see that, but ultimately they're going to have to lean into what do you write in your personal statement? 
if a school offers the opportunity for a diversity statement, what are you writing in there to help people see who you are, how your perspective is going to add value to any law school that you consider? Um, so just keep that in mind, that that is that holistic approach Kiana is talking about. What you're involved in at school may help someone lean into um, your perspectives as well via your resume. So being mindful that you want to be intentional about every single piece that you're submitting for any application. So before I get to a little bit of Q&A, and I know there are a few questions in the chat, but folks should feel happy to keep adding them um, to the chat because I am going to get to live Q&A in a moment. But before I get there, what do you all like about your jobs? You all are attorneys. You all have been doing it for a number of years now. What do you like? What do you like? Oh, I could do away with. As students are thinking about, do they want to go to law school and ultimately end up in the profession? What do you love about being an attorney in this profession? Thank you, Bill. Um, so I so I work in immigration law, and I have to say I love my job. I love my job. I've had three jobs post grad. I've loved all of them. Um, even I work in immigration law, so even during the Trump administrations, I loved my job. Um, but the reason being is that um, you have a real opportunity to help people, and like Anant was saying, that he works in. Um, in, in the firm, but he does pro bono work. You have a real opportunity to be able to help people to affect real change in people's lives, but in a way that is also intellectually stimulating, is very compelling in your personal life, is very fulfilling. And I always describe to people that having a law degree and working in law is being able to peek behind the curtain and see how the world works. You are extremely privileged once you have that law degree to have a further understanding of how things around you work in a way that lay people just don't. And um, it's extremely exciting and it's extremely engaging. And yeah, I, I have personally found that a law degree, as difficult as it is, has led to a really fulfilling career. Thank you for that, Maria. Anyone else? What do you love? Mona? I love being my own boss. There's nothing that beats that. I have had bosses and I've had great bosses and I've had great bosses that have been my mentors and then I've had the opposite too. But being your own boss and when you get that first paycheck, that real paycheck for being a lawyer without anything cut, it's like, what? I could have been earning this much and I've been giving this much <laughs> because you do the hard work. And um, yeah, so I absolutely love my job. I love having a law firm. I would always recommend for anyone graduating from law school, maybe do, do uh, work under someone before doing this because I don't know how I would have done it if I would have gone straight out of law school and then opened up my own firm. But um, because it, you need discipline, you definitely need discipline for that. And that's probably, um, I love um, 
marketing too. So like Kiana, like I would recommend doing a business major because a lot of what we do, if you're trying to be a trial attorney and that's what I am, I love going into court. I love having that exciting moment. I love presenting and, you know, winning. Obviously, I don't like losing, but I don't lose. So it's all good. <laughs> Sometimes I joke. Obviously, I lose. And I lose really badly. You know, like I take it bad. But it makes me better because we all lose sometimes, but it's about getting back up. But of something you need to do after law school, if you're having a job and actually it goes for right now, you need to love what you're doing. You need to love what you're doing for it to be worth it. If you're not loving what you're doing and you're just there, what's the point? You're like a potato. You're just there until it's made into some fries and then you can love it. You know what I mean? So make sure Make sure you love what you're doing and don't just be like, well, this is giving me the money. Oh, this is so prestigious. Oh, this is so great. It doesn't matter. You know, if it's meant to be, you'll get that better job you need. You don't don't settle. And I never settled. And I I love that. So that's my little two cents with that. Thank you so much, Mona. Let me get into um, some of these um, questions that I see. One of them being, what makes one really stand out to law schools? How can an applicant stand out? Anyone want to take a stab? Jay. About this because I was a very unconventional law school applicant. And what I noticed was that a lot of people felt pressured to do similar things in order to apply to law school. But I would say embrace what makes you different because that, that's what will make you stand out. If anything, there's a very high number of law school applicants and law students. Um, so you need to separate yourself somehow. So find causes you care about. Maybe it's a volunteer. Law schools do like service, like we talked about. Every lawyer does pro bono or works in public interest. I, I used to work in public interest. So service is a big part of being a lawyer. And if you have some type of committed experience. Like I was in the Scouts and I loved that. And then after I finished the Scouts, I volunteered with a lot of different organizations. Um, so I would embrace that. And if you don't have a cause, that's an easy thing to kind of add to your resume before applying to law school. You don't have to change your major, right? Or do anything else totally different. You could just start volunteering and devote the time towards that. Um, so I would really embrace what makes you different. You know, a life experience, um, a skill you have, whether it's engineering or science, or I used to be a cook like professionally. So I talked about that. Um, so just really embrace what makes you different. And law schools, would they appreciate that more now than they ever have before. I will say that. Kiana literally works at my law school. So I feel like she's giving us all the inside scoops on everything. Yeah, I mean, that, I feel like you worked in emissions. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. You know, they're... They, they read a lot of files, right? And they read a lot of files that say some of the same, and you're like, stop it. Stop telling me this. When I want to know who you are and unique. So Jay, you said it perfectly. The only other thing that I would add is right now, as Sharina highlighted, most places probably have, you know, the personal essay and another additional essay. Um, so what I would say is do not repeat. We want to know who you are and what you are going to bring to this law school. So do not repeat. This is a time for you to show who you are, as Jay said, what is unique about you. So your personal essay will be something 
else. We have three optional essays. Um, we have one for co-op, one for social justice, and one for diversity. What can you say that's different from that personal essay? This is your one time. We're not, you're not in front of us. We are reading a file on you. Who are you? Why do you want to be here? Um, what makes you unique? What's going to make you successful? Really try to stand out for it um, and ask people to read your essay and really make sure that, look, we love, um, we try to be, you know, diverse and take all backgrounds. But again, law school is a doctoral. <laughs> You're getting a doctorate. Um, your writing is going to matter. I will tell you that. I, again, I don't read files, so I'll let Sharina come in on that. But your writing matters. They judge you for your writing. So get people to read it, right? Get people to kind of edit it and look at it. I just wanted to second what Kiana said about having someone look at your your personal statement or your essay or whatever, like I completely changed my personal statement from what I had originally to, um, I, I had one of my mentors from undergrad who was actually, um, she taught a Shakespeare class as part of the very, very small MIT humanities program. And I had her kind of look at my personal statement after I wrote the first draft. And she just like, she was like, this makes you seem boring. You know, you have more exciting things to say. And I completely changed it after talking to her. So yeah, definitely have some somebody who who knows you well read your personal statement because oftentimes, um, like the the people who who know you well may have a better idea of what makes you unique than you yourself do because it, it, it's sometimes hard for us to ourselves understand what it is that makes us special without talking to somebody else. Thank you both. I have one more question in the MQ. I had one really bad semester and it caused me to second guess applying for fall 2024. If I'm able to make a comeback, will they value that? Also, how much does GPA play a factor? Um, I'm gonna, go ahead, Amkar, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, GPA is a factor um, in the whole application package, but it is just one factor of many. And if you can show improvement, like, you know, you said it was just one bad semester, like, you know, um, admissions teams are understanding that, you know, maybe your final season was not doing well, maybe you were sick on exam day. You In your application package, you have the option to write an addendum statement where you can explain what happened and what you did to correct that. And you can also show that, hey, look, I improved in the following semesters. And as I've said, GPA, it's just one factor. It's not the determining factor. It's not the entire package. There's so much more to your application, like your personal statement, your letters of recommendation from maybe your employers or professors that write about who you are as a person, what your character is like, um, your resume, uh, extracurriculars, other things you've done, any work experience you have, like my point is that GPA is just one factor of an entire group of factors that make up the application. So if you have just one bad semester, um, you know, you have one rest so many other semesters to make up that bad GPA, you can explain it. And there are so many other components in your application package. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amkar. And thank you to, oh, go ahead, Maria. I just wanted to say, I, I actually fall within this group exactly. I was an accounting major when I first started undergrad and I calculus is really hard and calculus two is really hard. And then when I um, 
realized I didn't want to be an accounting major anymore. I just stopped showing up to class and I flunked my Calc 2 class. And so my GPA starting off in college was just like zero, right? And But I worked really hard and I got my grades up from that point and I brought my GPA up really high. I don't know if that's an option for you where you are in your classes, but I also recommend just like sitting down and doing the math and seeing what classes you can take and how many credits you can kind of take in to to balance that out. Um, and that's what I did. And I, I still went to law school and I still went, uh, became a lawyer. And so, uh, yeah, so that happened to me and I survived. Thank you so much, Maria. I would say don't ever count yourself out. Um, it is a holistic review, right? I think that the panelists have given some great um, thoughts on how to make sure you're not giving up, adding addendums to explain one bad semester or two bad semesters is critical, right? Um, if there is something that transpired that really makes it make sense why there may have been a gap, um, that's important to note, right? Um, I do also want to emphasize, though, that the quantitative pieces of any law school application matter because they help us understand how well you will do statistically. They're the things that we have to show how well you'll do in your first year of law school and ultimately on the bar exam. That's the LSAT and the undergraduate GPA. So I just say that to you to say, do your research, look at the schools that you're thinking about. What is their 25th percentile? What is their median score? for the undergraduate GPA, the LSAT. It will help you determine where you need to go, how much you need to improve your GPA or LSAT. Um, if you have other questions about admissions or what's next, um, the legal career or the experience, know that you can reach out to any of the panelists here. All of our information um, was on the event page. So please feel free to check us out on the BBA site. I want to thank all of my panelists for giving of your time today and sharing your experiences. I hope everyone has a wonderful evening. Stay warm and have a great long weekend. The BBA is Boston's largest legal network built on justice, community, education, and inclusion. Take advantage of our exclusive express membership offer and save 50% off BBA membership through August 31st, 2024. Enjoy the full benefits of BBA membership and take advantage of BBA programs and events, discounts on services, access to the full Learn Online library, and much more. This special offer is only available through March 15, 2024. Use code EXPRESS50 at checkout.